0: I wish somebody would give them some, you know, some, just Karina. move your body a bit, you know, just be <laughs> human.
1: But they can't dance, Liz. They can't, they can't dance. Have you seen any of them dance? Actually, you know, Anne Widdicombe did all right on Street Come Dancing, but that was because <laughs> she was sort of thrown <laughs> around. Don't
0: say that. You're not saying that Anne Widdicombe is better than them. Oh,
2: my God. Yeah, I mean, I've got to give right. it... Go on, Savannah. Boris, Boris was all right on dancing. You know, the Did you do dancing?
1: On. Oh, God. God. Wasn't there a clip where we thought he was dancing and Rishi yeah. was also thought to be dancing. It turned out that there were other people who just yeah. looked Everyone identical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So including that clip at the end of this. <laughs> clips. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are fabulous. The guy in Ibiza. You're like, okay, that looks like a cool <laughs> Prime Minister. That is definitely not Rishi. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning everyone and welcome to a new Sunday roast. We are missing Max but we have our lamp. We also have Savan. Savan can you introduce yourself please?
2: Yeah hi, hi everyone my name is Savan so i um, a journalist and affiliated researcher with the University of Glasgow recently and I was a project manager for an organization called Refugees for Justice. I'm no longer with them. but. And Liz great to have you on Savan. And
1: Liz can you introduce yourself?
0: Hi I'm Liz Webster. I am the founder of a uh, uh campaign group called save british farming and we farm in wiltshire and we have uh, beef and arable and i'm also obsessed with brexit i've also got a youtube channel if you want to follow me at uh, liz webster save british
1: farming savannah
2: have you got anything you want to quickly plug yeah i think you know i've only got one social media which is twitter and x now savannah
1: not much to talk about in the news right
2: <laughs> Literally nothing. so dull
1: <laughs> Who would have thought <laughs> farming? Liz, how's the farming going? How's the farm?
0: <laughs> the farm has been full of journalists this week. Uh, we've got lots going on because the uh, president of the NFU, minute Batters, is standing down next week at the NFU conference. So, so I've been inundated with journalists wanting to get comments um, about uh, about this, this transition of power because she's been in, in office for six years and six of the most interesting years for agriculture, mainly because of Brexit, (laughs) Uh, because we've been thrown under the Brexit bus, which is exactly what we said would happen. But it's a hell of a lot worse than we thought it was going to be.
1: What what makes it worse than you thought it was going to be? How bad do you think it was actually going to be? And how's it worse?
0: It's worse because we didn't predict COVID, which took a lot of European staff away and they didn't come back. And that was that made things harder in in overnight really, um, and also we didn't predict that they would ever we'd ever end up with a situation where we had sanctions, export checks, but they didn't put sanctions on imports, which means that we've been facing you know huge um, uh, undercutting from imports from other from Europe and and from other countries across the world, which has meant there's a lot of businesses, a lot of farm businesses have really been um, forced out of business or forced into doing something else.
1: So that's impacted sales. So I was aware that pork, for example, we don't have anyone in doing the abattoirs, especially down south. And so that means that pork prices have just nosedived because there's so much of it available. And yet we can't process it at the same time. Is that the type of thing that you're talking about? It
0: goes in fits and starts depending on what's going on. So this, um, a few, well, last summer, there was a surplus of cucumbers on the continent. And so they came streaming in here and undercut our growers because the supermarkets will just buy whatever's cheaper. Um, and they would then also gone through, the greenhouse growers had gone through, obviously the winter with energy prices, you know, our input costs after COVID shot up by 30%. And everybody knows everything's gone up since COVID, but we're the ones that bore the brunt of the real inflation hike right at the beginning. Um, And so it's been really, really tough. Farming was also divided over Brexit because farming's been having a bad time for decades um, because we've not had a government that backs farmers, it backs the supermarkets. The supermarkets are a monopoly, and they have a, the power to decide everything. And some farmers thought that Brexit would stop that because they thought it was the European Union doing that, and they thought that we'd get rid of all of the European imports that that were they were competing with. And of course, it's just been a million times worse. So we're in, so not being united has meant there's not been a proper solid base to actually oppose what's gone on. And um, farmers have been arguing amongst each other. There's still some farmers who think it's not the right Brexit, you know, and there there is, a, as you know, Nigel Farage and others are, are trying to get people to believe that there's another Brexit out there somewhere <laughs> that's going to be better than the Brexit we've got, but we know it's absolute bullshit and bollocks. So I can swear at that. <laughs> we ended up with the pretty much the worst Brexit we could have. And If we, The only worst Brexit was no deal, and I think no deal would have been better because I think no deal would have been so bad and it would have been so sharp and quick that we would have gone back in quickly.
1: Sorry, Liz, is that from a farming perspective or a general sort of perspective it would have been so bad?
0: Particularly for food, it it would have been noticeable. But also, well, some of the medicines have have been stockpiling, you know, and that black swan thing. I think for food it would have been really bad, yeah.
1: So, I can so... see you nodding quite a bit there. I'm going I'm to ask you, because you're not... A fa- I, I don't believe you're a farmer, although there is a cow in the background
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> um, that one of you. You've got a cow. I can't see it. Where is it? Yes, yeah, it's an it's a Angus
0: Scottish cow. Oh, nice.
2: Probably normal Angus. Very nice. nice.
1: What have you noticed? What are your thoughts on this? But also, I'm going to ask, have you noticed it at the supermarket up in Scotland so much?
2: Yeah, I think, you know... Uh, let's put it, you know, eloquently. Uh, one of the biggest issues the farmers don't get, uh, uh the money, you know, uh, the money that they deserve. The supermarket, the corporation actually pay them pennies. You know, I got, I go for, I've, I've spoken with many farmers actually. You know, the quite recent month or two coincidentally we were, we were speaking about milk and other things and it, they barely get you know pennies out of it so i was like and and the other challenges were like you know if we try that's just from producing for example from milk and they say we're going to hand it out to another company that will do the bottling and stuff and then the distribution and we don't have the manpower to distribute it ourselves. you know sorry the manpower the human power the people power <laughs> uh, uh, to do that so so uh I think if I was a farmer, personally, if I was a farmer, I would have left that sector uh, because there's not there's not much left for me to do, and there's not much for me to pass on to my new generation to come and you know do the job uh, I used to love. And I and you know and during the conversation I have with them, they have quite a passion to doing that job. They love it. They actually want to do it. They want to stay in the countryside. They want to do uh, the job they they used to do and their parents used to do. But unfortunately, due to Brexit and due to the corporation and taking over. Uh, uh, you know, sucking out all the profit and trying to, it, it's so the farmer left with nothing actually, barely anything and for me I'm not uh, pessimistic uh, you know, I'm not optimistic about the situation I feel like uh, the farmer being let down by labour shortages you know, loss of labors. European Eastern European people due to Brexit they left and it never came back and pick up our cherries and <laughs> so they go and you know uh, the farmer's been let down badly and I think as Liz said, many farmers believed or I I don't say many, I don't know the, the numbers, but farmers usually believe that Brexit would be a way out of this. But I think it was um it was a trap and the farmers fell into it. I
1: have a, a best friend of mine runs a farm and it's it, and his older relatives all voted Brexit and still think it's a good idea. Um so their angle with the way they run their farm is a lot of sustainab- sustainability. And as a result, there's still funding available. At least they led me to believe there's still funding available for that. And it's moved away, and the UK seems to be trying to move away from industrialised farming. Uh, my friend had stated that he didn't like the industrial process. He knew it was necessary, but he didn't like it, and actually quite liked the idea of sustainability. But it doesn't help with the profit margins, and it doesn't help with the import issues. Because as you said, Liz, they can import anything. I don't. It's not being reported anywhere in the news, but I've found loads of articles on illegal cigarettes coming in illegal meat and you're going and and this has been we're we're eating this so i assume what the europeans are doing is just going just send them anything and it'll get through the customs no oh, one's going to check yeah. and we could sell it's, the stuff that we can't sell in europe gone it's,
0: it's a real opening for the black market yeah criminals sending anything that they want as a joke um but you're wrong on the industrial farming if there's an article i built I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, it was in the Times this week. Factory farming is on the up in Britain, and there, there was a reason for this. Um, you know, uh, you either go down sustainable route and you take the, uh, you know, the SFI schemes, mm. or you intensify. And if your farm isn't that big, you you haven't got enough land to put that into a scheme. Then the you're SFIs. only if you want to keep farming, your only option is to up production, and that means having intensive pig. Chicken or beef in sheds, um, and and feeding them, and they never come out. You know that's that's that is the way that it's going. And then you've got more pollution. Um, Mm. I mean, it's just infuriating. And this is exactly what we said would happen. We predicted this. I, you know, the whole double standards of it all—that we're being told to get to net zero by 2040, and yet really we're having imports coming in. Imports from Brazil have gone up by 66 percent, I think it is, since Brexit. And they've also lowered the standard of checks. We've got lower checks on Brazilian imports than Europe. So <laughs> they've also had, you know, some really recent dodgy stuff in in Brazil with salmonella and with BSE, and we're not checking it properly. And it's just flopping in here, flowing in here, and nobody really knows what they're eating. And the the standards of food in this country have dropped tremendously in the last. Three years since Brexit, but people haven't really noticed it because it's been gradual.
1: Proper in boiling water. Yeah, as I've heard you use many, many a time. It's a good. It, it's true though. I actually lived in Brazil. I lived in one of the biggest ports in South America. I lived in Santos for like two and a half years, and the ports are run by the mafia well-known thing so there's no checks on that it's just pay us off and let us in and then there's no checks here i mean it's the irony of them saying that they want to protect our borders and they've left them right open
0: that's why they focus on the small boats it's a distraction isn't it you know my uncle used to do it to me when we were eating food he'd he say look out the window and then realize that you know there's a monster out there or something and then he'd pinch all my roast potatoes it's a distraction
2: <laughs> i do that with my partner still I actually done that with my son.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs>
2: I feel guilty now, you know, okay?
0: <laughs> but yeah, That's I mean good. today I was talking to to, to um, a journalist saying, you know, if you want to be sure about what you're eating, it's much tougher than it was. But uh, we we produce for MS and um we do know the the processors actually said that MS DNA their animal before they go into the processors and they DNA the meat at the end. So you can you just one... tell
1: our viewers what DNA what the DNA process is? They DNA so the, the... they
0: can actually so when the meat is, comes out and it's processed, they can actually identify which animal it was, which passport it's associated to, which form.
1: So it means that you have oh, so it gang- is the actual DNA of the animal that they've taken before and after. And wow. That's so, a... That's a you would think that would be a huge additional cost, but then it keeps the standards up. And that's why yeah. you go going... and this week's sponsor happens to be. <laughs> <laughs> never <sponsor> well,
0: <laughs> well, you know, I suppose it just you know, in, in this corporate world, that you know, they need to have added value. So it is just, you know, to me, that's because I don't want to eat meat that's gonna kill me or that's got hormones in it or anything. So
2: but isn't it actually creating like two tier, uh, a two tier system in the society? Some people who can afford to Probably buy better foods, you know.
0: You have got a black market, then you've got very cheap nasty food which kills you, and then yes, you've got the luxury market.
2: Mm. So
1: basically, only the richer. It, it, I mean. <laughs> That links into so much that we were going to talk about. We, we had Rishi Sunak and talking about not having a two-tier system. seems like, as you said, there's three. I mean, the black market's an interesting one. Crime's going to go through the roof. More and more criminals twig that this is the way to do it. I mean, we've had we we've seen the black market on the rise because people are just going into supermarkets and clearing the shelves. Oh, yeah, but plotting. not only that,
0: Alex. We've had, uh, recently, we've had animals killed in Gloucestershire here. Animals killed, slaughtered on farm, killed and then butchered on the farm by criminals. Because oh, yeah. the illegal meat market now is very, very um, lucrative.
1: You're just saying that because it's actually your wolf that's doing it, isn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> he might be able well, to do the but I don't think he'd be very good at butchering. He'd eat it all.
1: How's how's the attitude up in Scotland, Savannah, with all of this? Because obviously we've, we've had Nigel Farage going, cheaper food, cheaper clothing, obsessed with bras for some reason. And then... <laughs> <laughs> and then and then telling us, you know, it, it's gonna be a better life. Is, I that, think, is, is that the situation at North? Is it better?
2: No, I, I think it one was that? I think it was last year, the Scottish farming, they were quite angry about the whole situation. So that was that's one and the consumers actually are struggling right now with the food inflation. And uh, I think then again that's that's due to Brexit again. And in terms of farming, I the the one I I spoke to you about was all Scottish farmers that I had a conversation with. So um, yeah, they love the job, but they're struggling as well. So they always um, when I when I speak to them, they usually speak about the passion, the love they have for, it. and then the downside of you know lack of labor, the frustration coming with it, coming you know importing cheap food and producing uh, you know British uh, British meat and stuff. They had they, they used to have higher standards. and now because the compa- uh uh, you know, we have meat in illegal market and we have meat coming from very low standard without check and balance. Uh, and because people cannot buy and afford to buy good good meat, their market will gonna go down, the black market and the cheap stuff will gonna go up as well. So that also impacting farming and high standard, um, you know, in, in their work. And so my fear is, personal fear is, uh, the farming would just adjust their standards to the normal low standard, just to just to get by, otherwise you know they can't compete. Uh, so that, that's going to be the main uh, the main concern I have right now.
0: Well, um, no, not here, no, because we would lose our contract anyway. But we we wouldn't either. Um, but we we we've shrink, you know, we're producing less food than we were. Um, but if we, you know, I, I do know some younger farmers that are, you know, have decided to intensify the number of animals. Which when we all know, if there's more animals in a confined space, then it's not so good for that animal um so i think the biggest risk that i worry about is the loss of food security and not having enough food you know if we had been if we decided to get rid of our food production most of it we should have stayed in europe because then we had a guaranteed food supply but to do that and reduce food uh, production here and then rely on food coming from the other side of the world when the world is turning to i mean if trump gets in you know that's what worries me is not having enough food, um, we, food we, 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 we,
1: well i'm gonna i'm gonna play a bit of a devil's advocate again with those and um, i'm gonna say so I like it it we was, do that. <laughs> when i when i was looking when i was doing some research for this i saw that in europe they were having very similar problems to here so cheap imports is a problem climate change is a big issue so is that would that be a how is it that it's worse if it's the same sort of thing that's happening in Europe? That's my job um, advocate.
0: Okay, you, what I'd say is the European farmers are much better British farmers are complaining and saying, we're not having this. They actually, the, the French farmers in particular, really helped British farming over the years by protesting for us, uh, because it goes against the British psyche to do anything um, outlandish. And the the communities in France are different. Everybody is connected to farming um but i would say that the european farmers have got bugger all to complain about compared to us it's nothing it's it's a tickle compared to us yes okay Spain has got problems with water and climate change but we've got too much water in the winter and then often not enough water enough water in the summer and we don't collect uh, the water, and I mean, we've been underwater here for four months, and we haven't been able to get our maize in. So, climate-wise, we've all got issues, but they haven't got Brexit. And whilst they might have more imports than they had because of Ukraine, they have got rid of uh, the, the, you know, the Brazilian airport, the imports that they've stopped that we've got We've got the worst trade deals ever it, that any country's ever done in history, I think I'd argue, the most appalling trade deals which were absolutely handing Britain on a plate, slaughtered to Australia and New Zealand. So a question of retirement, if the Conservatives got in again, we would have hormone fed meat here from Canada without a doubt.
1: Did you hear about how the Australian trade deal happened under Boris? and how we yeah. ended up with all the beef. Because that was, we brought it up in a previous couple of episodes, but just to recap, essentially Boris is having dinner with the Australian ambassador. It's like randomly Boris starts apologizing for disconnecting from Australia and jo- and that, that Britain joined the EU. So the Australian ambassador jumps on this and makes an off the cuff comment about Britain taking on Australian meat to sort of make up for this. <laughs> And, and Boris is like, yes, yes, yes. So the ambassador excuses himself from the table, goes to the loo, but as he goes out, he tells one of his uh, minions from the uh, Australian government to go off and write up a rough draft of the agreement with Bo- that Boris has made to take Australian beef. And the ambassador goes to the loo, the minion goes off into 10 Downing Street, uses 10 Downing Street's fax machine
2: <laughs> back to the, over to the
1: Australian government, has it sent back by the time the ambassadors come out of the loo, and it's a, like almost a formalized document, which she then presents to Boris, who signs it off there and then. And then our and because he's done that as prime minister, we've been fighting ever since with Australians to reduce and limit the damage of that deal, all because Boris felt guilty. That is the
0: only way to get out of it is to get out of the deal. And in yeah. fairness to George Eustace, he renegotiated a, an exit clause of six months, and that's what that should be the ask. You know that is the ask. Get out of these bad deals; they're horrific. But I think Labour probably will have to address that because they have agreed to a veterinary agreement, and uh, you know that that will then move one thing to another. It will be the first step.
1: It looks like it's. I mean, Scotland. Is interesting, 70% want to rejoin the EU, and it's like 50-50 and separating from the UK. What's the general feeling um, that you, you hear on the streets of...
2: Yeah, yep, I, I mean... Uh, just to add what you said about Australia, I think the Australian official is officially not on the way in the Louis you in know, official TV your, your conversation. They ask him, what do you think about that deal? They said, oh, UK not going to gain a lot of benefit. They said, I don't care. But, you know, ultimately, I don't care. You know, it's good for Australia. It's good for Australia. And, yeah, it's, it's been a terrible deal about the Australian one. And the general feeling about it joining joining the EU is, is quite high, to be honest with you. Like, I personally... Want Scottish independent because so we can get, uh, you know, get back to the single market at, at the very least, and joining the EU, uh, in the future. I think what it was, it was it was imposed on Scotland against their will. Uh, something that democratically, you know, that, that that that's that's the issue I have with you know with the union stuff. Scottish voice, it doesn't matter, and you know whatever whatever the vote would have been, it would have just been what the Westminster decided to. And I just feel like that's quite unfair that's not treating Scotland uh, as the way as, as the country that should have been treated and that's one second and hey, who's like economic you know put an economic sanction on themselves hey, we impose an economic sanction on ourselves deliberately mm-hmm. and so many lies in 2014 about the referendum you know the only way to stay in the EU is by voting to stay in the union two years later there's no accountability for the lies that's been made uh it doesn't matter anymore so like in a democratic like in an election and stuff like that you can just come up with any fairy tale uh, you know manifesto people can uh, vote for you and you can literally do the absolute opposite uh, regardless of the damage and you can, can still go on so people in Scotland I I think they're angry and but the, la- the latest polling was 53 of people want to be independent and I suspect those who want to be independent mainly or largely because they want to join the EU and limit the damage has been imposed on Scotland against against their will.
1: I mean in many ways at least you got the vote. Um, There's a Caribbean island called Anguilla uh, which is connected to the French island of St Martins economically and and trade-wise. They've had no say. No say whatsoever. Now they've had to disconnect from the island of St Martins for trade. I I don't even begin... To understand how that works and yeah you have been forced out could you imagine and then told that you're not allowed to have a referendum (laughs) to to whether or not you want to accept this deal or still be part of the union and told no no this is it and the thing that always gets me is if the e if the uk had had that with the eu and the eu refused to allow them to have a referendum could you imagine what the uk got what westminster would have done they would have oh. gone bananas.
0: I know, but you, you've only got to look what they how they talk about Ireland as well. They they haven't come to terms with the fact that Southern Ireland escaped the union. <laughs> they still think they still think that it belongs to the crown of you know of of England. I mean, it, it I'm Welsh, so you know, I I live in England, but uh, there there doesn't there isn't a healthy approach. It, within the union from england from the from from certain quarters that see everybody else as inferior and that they're in control it's it's still the em, it's still the empire type thinking but the empire's got no, n- nothing left apart from wales and scotland and northern ireland maybe gibraltar just and falkland islands falklands they, they were
1: damaged by brexit they didn't get a vote. Yeah. their fishing sorry was going into the eu and now, I'm... no, go somewhere else. And you're sort of going. I could also see Argentina going. Hello, you're financially yes. damaged. Interesting that there's even rumours about part of the Falklands wanting a referendum because they reckon there's oil deposits off the shore, off the coast. So, but I don't, I don't see that happening because Argentina's just begging to separate from the United Kingdom.
2: If they give enough reason, you know, to Scotland and to other, you know, other parts in the UK, other countries in the UK, including the island. People will leave, you know, to put pressure on people and give them reasons, say, hey, you know, we're not good for you. We're not treating you with respect and we're not uh, you're not fair with us. The decision we make, it's all what we say is going to be imposed on you. Then people, you know, ultimately, hopefully, you know, stop saying, oh, what we're doing in this unit."
0: National Nash- is, is is rising in Wales at so quite a phenomenal rate. Yeah. I mean it used to be completely more or less dormant, but it's really especially amongst the youngsters. Um so that's the way it's going. You know. Come uh, way.
1: Do you know did you know that the word Wales means in Anglo-Saxon foreigners? So the Prince of Wales is the Prince of Foreigners. And then <laughs> and that's why Cornwall's Cornwall, because it's corn foreigners, the Cornish. So so you're like, that's actually quite a slanderous word to have named a country. <laughs> <It's the laughs> well, also, everybody spoke Welsh first, you
0: know, in these islands.
1: Uh it was you, the you first gonna language. You're going to start... So you,
0: the English were the invaders. <laughs> <laughs> we were are here we, first. Are we going to start <laughs>
1: having Wales demand that... W- <laughs> like, well, it's interesting because we, we were gonna bring out Putin, but Putin's demanding Alaska back because the I oh, know Tsar, no. I think Tsar Nicholas I sold it to the United States, which has been quite quite interesting. So Putin Putin put out a memorandum that <laughs> Morris Foreign Office did saying they don't see Alaska as part of the United States. I'm <laughs> like, what? And so the uh, I think one of the uh, foreign secretaries for the United States was questioned on this and he just laughed in the face of the journalist <laughs> and was like, yeah, he's not getting it back. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was on a I think with Putin was on a on a bigger scale thing in regards to justifying Ukraine. So there was a Tucker Carlson interview where for the first like 20 minutes, I, I felt that the interview was appalling and tucker just allowed him to say whatever he wanted and barely challenged him on anything including this completely insane narrative but basically putin's justification and i think i've heard this from other sources that it, it's not just putin but it's been a well-held view for a long time is that ukraine and the ukrainians aren't a real country they're not and and the reason being is that you go back to 1640 and it doesn't and according to him it doesn't exist as a country. And that actually Attila the Hun and the Hungarians have a bigger claim to Ukraine than the Ukrainians. And so therefore, it's okay to invade. Which, of course, isn't what he said at the beginning. He said he had to denazify another country, which in itself, Tucker didn't challenge. Uh, because otherwise, I mean, we you can't go and invade countries because you want to change the political landscape inside that country that's just or can you can you do that i don't know is (laughs) i can go go Um, ahead savannah i can see your
2: head there being like no think you're thinking about that appalling interview and actually you know what on earth you're doing for views you know just to get some some you know clicks on social media tucker went on his knees actually to get that interview and you could see because you know the first con the first sentence Putin said to Tucker say are we gonna have a serious conversation or you know we're just gonna have you know the, the very beginning it started like that and Tucker was like oh sorry and stuff like that. so I, I I've seen that desperation for him to do this interview it wasn't it was first for himself he was he's a selfish person uh, that's a fact and second just giving you know Putin that platform to just slander and talk talks about a thousand years of history the way he wants to talk about it not the way history is and talking about how great he is and he didn't want to he doesn't want to have any problem with any other foreign countries including use and and all of that and win and challenge and i and i was and and I, i was really angry like because Tucker wouldn't do the same thing if he's a, interviewing a Western politician, you know. Imagine he's interviewing Biden, you know how aggressive he becomes. But for Putin, he was just sitting down and it, as if it was, you know, just a setup. Let's say Putin, I'll give you this platform and gain million views, sponsored by Elon Musk. You say whatever, and let's change, you know, uh, the perspective of you know Western against you. So that's how I, that's how I see it. And then they start talking about, you know, rambling about. How you know kindly? How kind Russia was to given, you know, Ukraine was a gift. It was it was you know this part was a gift by Russian, but just and and we don't say anything about it. It's okay, you know, we're just nice people. We just give you that, and we are not here to do anything like that. And and I just uh, you know thought it was appalling, and I think that undermine a uh, loss of thing that's the Western trying to do to support Ukraine and undermine the effort Ukraine trying to do to, um, you know, to get rid of this invader, this ultimate invader trying to. And he's usually, for me, this is my opinion, I may be absolutely wrong. And I think he's following what, what uh, Hitler did. So Hitler trying to calm everyone down, say, you're not going to be next. I'm just going to go for Poland. You're not, you know, you're not in this part. And then go for Poland and then jumped in and, you know, ultimately sign a deal with uh, UK, just that, yeah. you know, just say we're not going to attack you, but definitely came to France and then attacked. So I think Putin got this long-term plan It's beyond the Soviet Union, It's, it's beyond of that. And I think he got the same mentality, same ideology, same personality as well. Uh, and I feel like it's disgusting to you know give him that big platform, and it's more disgusting. i seeing seen Elon Musk, you know, retweeting and trying to advertise uh, for him, and I don't know why. You know, it might be a reason, but I don't know why.
1: I mean, it's we're repeating history. There's an of it. I mean, we're talking about the food crisis, but we're also seeing the populism. We're in a recession as of today. We're in a recession. And you're going, well, these are all the things that normally bring up populism. I'm looking at, we can link this back to Brexit. You've got Labour and you've got the Conservatives. Either one of those seem to be the ones that go into power. Okay. Conservatives utterly failed at Brexit. I can see Labour going in. They're already saying two years of austerity. I don't think the public are going to stand for stuff like that. And we could, we could easily end up going, well, centre, centre-right, far-right and centre-left aren't able to fix this problem. I could see people going, right, well, we just need to go more extreme, either some, somewhat communistic or somewhat far-right. And, I mean, the Reform Party or the,
0: the, <laughs> the party, party formerly named Brexit. Started everything, out. yeah.
1: Yeah, I can, I can easily see something like that happening. It's it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Liz, sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you there.
0: No, no, I, I agree. That's my fear, that if Labour doesn't act fast enough to improve lives and get hope and prosperity back, I think there's a real risk. And, you know, um, I had a chat with Jay uh, Rayner last week about he wrote an article and, and I was quoted in there. But that's my worry, that Labour gets caught into a food crisis Things don't improve. They'll get handed out of office because you know people don't tend to sit down and go, "Oh, I'm hungry." They tend to get angry, um, and we saw that recently in Sri Lanka. Um, and then, and then, yeah, who are they going to turn to? They're not going to turn to uh, the Conservatives. They're not going to turn to the Lib Dems because they're not even on the pitch. And uh, and and it's reform, you know. And and reform is getting so much. Support from the media. You know they haven't even got any councillors. They haven't even got any anything, and yet they've they just seem to be all over the media.
1: The Rejoining You Party have got more councillors, and they've never been invited onto the BBC. Work that one out. And they're the only one that's literally saying we want to rejoin. Apart from anywhere between whatever you read, sixty percent of the population, seventy percent in in Scotland, eighty five percent of millennials, and the Rejoining You Party who has an actual councillor more, one more than <laughs> reform, have never, ever been invited onto the BBC. I can't... It, the, the frustration with the BBC... I think there was even an issue with the National Rejoin March, which you were at, where the BBC didn't film it. But the XL bully <laughs> protest that was right next to that march... Was yeah, filmed.
0: about 50 people,
1: that's yeah, what it was. with right? like a few hundred versus a few thousand. BBC gave the National Rejoin March no coverage. And you're going this this i mean we, we want i'm happy to talk more about tucker and and, and putin's interview i'd say that there's a lot of similarities actually with hitler and putin they both uh, disenfranchised with what took place cold war versus world war one didn't know what to do go back to germany or russia start a political movement a political party that's highly corrupt happy to use violence happy to bribe people happy to work with the mafia or SA. And then, and use violence within those groups to to, to control people, uh, rose through the ranks through politics and managed to win, you know, into an election—one as president, one as chancellor with the biggest party—and then they dismantle the system from the inside. That's all. That's what both of them have done, and then eliminate all opposition that criticizes them. I, I, there's no difference there. Like in that narrative, I mean, he has concentration camps clearly in Siberia no one's arguing that but no one brings yeah. it up and again it comes back this this comes back to the interesting thing we were talking with the media and we can link it all in together because there was rishi's gb news people's forum did you guys did you guys watch that So and i could see your face was so just like watched the bit of it i wish it you're shaking your head uh, well.
0: i just no, i've seen some clips he just you know watching rishi's just makes my skin crawl
1: is it the robot? Just watching
0: him and he does that twizzling around and he's, oh my, well, you know, you keep having to have a look at his bum and, and he's just, oh, he's just awful. And he tries to be sort of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Right,
1: right, 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 right. <laughs> it's like those seagulls from uh, Where's Nemo? mate mate <laughs> I might. I might re-edit that and just put it right instead of mate. right, right. Right. <laughs> He was doing all it was the way it showed how insecure he was by having to say it because he was basically, he was justifying himself. Interestingly, Harvard just did a study that said if you want to get more uh, respect and engagement from people and get more in life, use the word because. So the example would be instead of saying, I want to use the co- uh, photocopy machine, you would go, I would like to use the, mach- uh, the photocopy machine because I need to get this done in the next 10 minutes. And therefore you have more compliance. All Rishi did was question his authority all the way through by just saying that word, because he was trying to get the audience to engage with him. And he couldn't. He was, as you said, Liz, he was like bouncing around the place. He didn't look very comfortable. <laughs> I realized that the cameras were really badly placed because I've seen so many of those U.S. presidential elections. He should have had a camera facing him and the crowd around. And the GB News is so crap they had it filmed from behind, which is why you saw his ass so much. Yeah.
2: Instead of his actual face. <laughs> and you're like I
0: don't, want to see it. I, don't, I don't know if I want to see his face, but seeing his <laughs> ass is definitely worse.
2: <laughs> I mean, I can say it's a bony ass because he's not eating 36 hours a week, you know. So him. he's past he's doing intermittent <laughs> fasting, isn't he? 36 hours. <laughs> and he still can't get stuff fixed. <laughs>
0: He still can't and, get any clothes
2: to fit him. His trousers are always too short. I, 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 I wish, or oh, I hope, you know, there was a political fasting, that he could have been fasting for a long time and not just talk about politics or not be involved in politics, just fasting, you know, not break the fast. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a religion to do something like that, no? It feels like it. Well, we'd be out of a job, wouldn't we? If that was the... Case.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Every <laughs> single day of the week, there's stress with these guys. And did, did you see the response from people afterwards? When they oh. were interviewed about what they thought of the Prime Minister... They wanted the to be
0: paid. They were asking for their fees. They were obviously paid to be there. It's, you know, just shocking.
1: You want to hear a story. I know someone who's God. meant to be in the audience. I'm not yeah. going to name names. But basically, <laughs> I they told us they would be invited on. They were told it was meant to be impartial. And then at the last minute... And they were meant to be asking a question to the audience. And at the last minute, they were then told that they weren't allowed to go and uh, to ask a question and then they were banned so if you look at the seats there are empty seats on the front row I assume it was their seats that got removed which is also (laughs) quite funny because you were like the Prime Minister couldn't even fill up his whole audience (laughs) in his home county what (laughs) a joke so but at the very beginning of the episode they were like yes this is totally impartial we've invited people from across Yorkshire um (laughs) And it's been impartially chosen by this group and you're going no it hasn't and then they said that it's audience questions and then you saw audience members holding up a little piece of card which had GB News written on it and you could tell <laughs> they were having to read the card you're going this is just this is up there this is the type of crap that happened with Putin he took over stations and then he altered the narrative and no one could question him which is exactly what happened with Tucker Carlson he could have the interview, but he couldn't question him or hold him to account on some of the crap he said. And literally, we've just had the exact same thing with GB News, who have flagrantly lied about what they've done because we know someone who was invited on and then barred. And you're going, This is, this is, this is like, I think the, we've got a big problem with our media. Isn't and Is this why you've, you decided to get into YouTube, Liz, to have a voice <laughs> that's actually honest and not run by an oligarch? Or are you an oligarch?
0: Yeah, I really look like an oligarch.
1: With that um, gin, you
0: do. All that gin, yeah. <laughs> it would be poker if I was an oligarch. <laughs> um why have I done I, I I I think I was encouraged to do it. I I I actually find it much easier talking like we are rather than talking to myself. I find it a bit sort of i don't it's not natural to me I, I find it much easier just to i need the chemistry of somebody else there to talk to um it's it's much more enjoyable um but people want to hear about farming and food and things that i take for granted i go oh, surely you understand this i've said it five million times but um it's complex and you know we're we're living and breathing and eating it literally every day and I, you know, I can't do a sort of brain melt, um, and so doing it in in a text form is t- is is difficult. Um so that's why I started doing it on on there, and and you know, it seems to be going really well. We get the odd, you know, p- person that's saying, "Oh, democracy, shut up," but most of the time, um, the comments are really supportive, and they seem to enjoy what I'm saying, and and seem to learn. Things because I always try and base it around what it means for people rather than saying oh we're poor farmers <laughs> it's <laughs> really is about people's food and and what it means for our values and for the country so um, but I'm still a newbie on YouTube I'm still a newbie I've only got four thousand followers I need more <laughs> will
2: help oh thank you will help will plug Savannah what about
1: you what got you
2: into journalism uh, I think lack of representation of you know, people like me with my experience, I came as an asylum seeker to this country. Uh, And all I've seen, and it made me so angry, because all I've seen a false narrative about, you know, immigrants and all of that stuff. And I was like, somebody needs to talk. And I usually had conversation with journalists uh, before when I was like, they, you know, they had an interview with me. They will take the bits they really want. And they're just filling the gap in their piece. So I was like, "Well, why am I doing this? I need to write the piece myself. I need to stand up and do the whole story myself." So that's that's how that's how I got into it. And then I was doing a you know some interesting job at the University of Glasgow, doing research about integration. We actually wrote a book, and that's the book, UK Borderscapes, about uh, it. Says about multi dimension, but one of the dimensions is about integration and lack of integration in the UK. Uh, immigration system because a lot of you know problems one of them uh, forcing migrants literally forcing migrants to be to not be productive as they could have been there's so much potential there but anyway yeah long story so a uh, long, long long story short uh i decided to you know I, I need to you know tell those stories myself and it needs to be a language that we use migrants use and that's how i go into
1: it i remember richard tice doing that didn't he he got on twitter he met some uh, refugee had been either left or thrown out of a hostel in London and then twisted the story and you could tell that the guy didn't have a good level of English and so he couldn't quite actually justify himself, plus he probably had no clue as to who Richard Tice was who obviously is quite adept to media. Have you taken him on Liz? <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I, I haven't happened- Done camera with him. No. I keep it. i I'm, I get. I get. Um, they like me. Some of them. Andy Wigmore um, is literally always. Most days, will have some, something to say to me. And Richard sometimes comes in. And and certainly Catherine McBride. I mean, did you see what she did? That was just the funniest thing. She said, "I thought you were an organic farm. How how is it that you've got cattle in a shed? You can't be organic." It was hilarious. <laughs> And the whole Twitter exploded. And every time she shows her face anywhere, everyone then keeps reproducing this tweet of hers because it was the stupidest thing she ever did. But between them all, they come, they come, they sort of go, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's her again. All she does is talk about farming and presents. And um, so I have the old thing going with with Richard. But this last weekend, he was on Talk TV with Kaylin from... Um, Byline. Uh, byline. And he was going on about Germany again. So I've now decided to try and twist it back. So I keep tweeting back at Richard going, oh, more new good news for Germans. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, it's all we can do is laugh at them. But unfortunately, you know, the people that they do reach or uh, you know i don't know if you saw the video of their candidate ben habib for the by election and he's he is he is just the most awful guy and he's spinning something about the council trying to compulsory purchase this couple's land or their house and it's absolute rubbish it's inflammatory nonsense they are they are literally they are making things up uh, to frighten people um, and and he's just trying to make the most out of it. But unfortunately, they are vulnerable to that kind of feeling that, because they seem to sort of go in. They talk lies and bollocks, and they make people feel as if they're on the side when they're just they're just liars and and con men. I
1: so. I still haven't heard any journal- Ben Habib keeps coming up. I think we brought it up again last week. Ben Habib keeps coming on on onto media and saying, "Oh, this isn't the right Brexit." Then he says Northern Ireland shouldn't be separated from the UK. <laughs> but no one, I've not heard anyone turn around and say, well, what should it be then? Because it's, it's one of two things. It's either the current situation with this quasi-weird customs single market thing that Northern Ireland has, which is cut, off the, uh, cut themselves off to some extent from the UK, or it's a hard border. There's no alternative. It's a quasi-trade deal, which then leaves Northern Ireland in limbo, or it's a hard border. There's nothing else. And if it's the quasi deal, then it means that Northern Ireland it's an open border to the UK, which again but never he, gets brought up with him. And I've never heard he just, anyone bring it up from the media. And you go, well, why not? He's always on TV. He's always saying he wants a different type of Brexit or it's not the right one. And yet no one nails him on basic questions. No, he just, uh, gets,
0: he just gets away honestly. with it all of the time. Sorry. And he's in, you know, his business is in to do with... Uh, um what he's he's got a load of business i think from watching the border with with technology i think cameras and stuff he's into security stuff um it's really you know he i i have done an interview with him on bbc with uh, and uh, he just talks absolute bollocks and he doesn't get challenged, you're right. No, no journalist seems to challenge what he says and he just seems to get away with it all of the time. I think he's probably the worst of them.
1: Apart from when he was asked about the social scenario and issues of Northern Ireland and our very good friend, Dr Jennifer Castley, who's been on here, railroaded him because he starts banging on about Smarties when people are saying they're concerned about violence erupting in Northern Ireland. That's, But again, that was an audience member she wasn't actually part of the panel, although uh, I think it was Mehdi. Uh, I can't remember his first name, but he's a journalist who's moved to the United States. Absolutely hammered him on that because he was like, we asked you about social problems and you start talking about smarties and economics. economics.
2: Mm-hmm. Savannah, I can see you. Yes, I was I was just going to say, you know, the same thing about same lining of, you know, journalists not holding him accountable or challenging. He talks about Ben Ben Habib, talks about, you know, multi-cul- uh, multiculturalism, and it, it failed. It talks about, you know, migrants coming in as a bad thing. And he's the definition of economic migrant. He himself came in, came in here, you know, when he was 13, 14, I think. And he's a descendant of migrant. And, what well, what's an odd thing to say, you know, to say migration doesn't work. You know, Britain should get rid of, you know, this migrant thing. Lead the way. And, you know, that angers me a lot because I see him. I say, well, this guy's a migrant. You know, that's OK. You know, you can be a migrant and have a different, you know, you could be a right wing or left wing. And talk about different things, different politics, different, different ideology. That's that's absolutely fine, fair. But how on earth are you talking about you know something is failed? You're the definition of being you know the, the migration being a success in a way. You know you migrant, you came to this country, you built up your business. You know you've been a property chief, uh, private property chief for for a while. You hundred, you know many other jobs and, and success in in Britain. But now you're kicking the ladder after yourself, and it seems like it goes unchallenged. Okay, if it has failed, migrants should not be here. What about your parent? So, if it, migration is bad for this country, do you think you're bad for this country? Why nobody, you know, ask, ask this question? Yeah, of course, you might have, you know, hold a British citizenship, but
0: but it's you know what it is. It's because they're saying what a certain proportion of the country wants to hear, and they know that it's a trope. And people go, oh, yes, they don't hear. And that's the thing that liberals don't really understand, particularly people that are people that take attention or make, you know, take count of detail and they listen to things. What you don't realise is that some people just take stuff in that they can hear and they agree with. And so they don't hear anything in terms, they don't hear, when you put together a really clever argument to counter what they're saying, they don't hear it because they just go, oh, that person's getting in my way because... They're stopping me here, hearing what I want to hear. And that's what it is. It's it's a confirmation bias. Um, and that's what, they're, that's what they're just sending out a sort of hypnotic signal uh, to, to sort of like me, because I'm on your side. I agree with you. It's all of the migrants' fault, even though I am a migrant. I mean, even, I like to, you know, a lot of people forget this, even our royal family are migrants. Germans. Not really, British. <laughs> Most of us of migrants, as I said, the Welsh were here first. I mean, I was born in Wales, but my ancestry was very rich (laughs) and mixed. But most of us have moved around an awful lot. Uh, Do a DNA test, you'll be surprised. Um, And the other thing is that going on about migrants, we have got a huge labor shortage. We are locking these people who want to come over here and contribute to this country. And we're locking them in the most appalling situations And really, why are we not letting them contribute to the economy and to our communities? It's disgraceful. And the only reason they're doing it is for political capital and power.
1: But the the far right can't deal with that. Like, so Theresa May had it where they were coming in and they were earning. So then taxpayer didn't contribute. But then the, the far right turned on that and said, oh, but then they're coming over here for jobs. And so now we've got this thing of, okay, so we won't let them work. And now the far right are going mad. And saying, oh, right, well, now we're having to pay for them. And it's like, well, wh- what do you want? And the simple thing is, they just don't want anyone in. But it's exactly as you said, it's because they've got, the, uh, even Piers Morgan went a bit mad about this and said, oh, we're going to have 73 million people in the UK. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. And like the UK urban area is the size of our tidal change. Our <laughs> daily tidal change is our urban area. There is tons of space. One of the biggest problems is that the Southeast and London are so heavily urbanized and the rest of the country isn't. But then that, that comes in with having an actual transportation system that can get you across the country. And again, they've, they've got rid of that. In fact, they've got no long term projects on the go at the moment. That's another thing to talk about. But you're right. You've got Welsh, you've got Scottish, you've got multiple languages. The thing where people say, oh, they speak a foreign language. All right, so in Scotland, then, we'll ban English. Is that what you want? In Wales, we'll ban English. Or how about, you know, Gibraltar, Spanish. Should we ban Spanish over there? All the the Channel Islands, where they speak French and English. Shall we just get rid of... Like, they talk such shit, and no one fucking holds them to account. It fucking pisses me off. And it's such poor journalism.
0: It is the Nazi playbook. And it's exactly how it ended up with concentration camps. And they they, they ended up having to uh, do what they did because of the numbers. And you can see now how that happens. They're trying to send them over to Rwanda, you know, which is a joke. And they're doing anything they can, which is the the roast potato thing. It's the distraction thing again. Um, Just to keep in power and keep people wanting to vote for them because they think they're going to do something about this. But then the legal migration, as they call it, because actually the refugees coming over here, the asylum seekers, are legal as well. They're not illegal, but they like calling them illegal. Um,
1: there's no such term. You
0: can the roof. There's no, there's, there's no such term.
1: There's no such term. They've do, they did the same with woke. Woke is originally 1920s American slang, awake to racism. And the right, as they normally do, have changed the terminology. Savan, go on, you were nodding your head.
2: I was just I was just thinking about something because many of them, you know, the right wings, Thais and Faraj and all of them, now they are they ought to be uh, Israeli supporters, support in what Israel's doing, right? So I I was just I was just thinking, it's just a thought experiment. I was imagining like if they were if 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 let's say today is nineteen forty eight if the same conflict was happening and if the Jewish were trying, because I feel like the Jewish were not welcomed in the very beginning. And I think I read about, you know, Daily Mail writing about and talking about the Jewish the way they're talking about, you know, migrant right now. And all of a sudden the same group of people, and they grew generation by generation now, Richard Tyson Farage that the byproduct of that. uh, They're doing the same thing. They're supporting Jewish people right now, but they are, you know, othering you know, migrants I feel like these, this would be the same people who would deny the Jewish people that they support right now. So if they were on the border trying to come here, they would definitely deny them and they would be, you know, anti-Semitic, you know, however you say. It. But now because it fits the narrative, the political narrative, you know, they're using migrants, the Jewish people, whatever, you know, they you know, clinching us through. Basically, to just get a seat or two, and a very small segment in the society actually listen to them, but they're getting a huge attention and attraction by the media, and that what frustrated me the most. Mm-hmm. The regional party you've spoken about, and over sixty percent of people, I think, they really thought you know Brexit was a bad thing. They don't get the voice. Where do you, where do you hear them? You know, get a platform to talk. But Richard Tice do get. That's you get it. it here. You get it on this. <laughs> <That's
1: a> big... <laughs> oh hell, lamp um, Thank you very
2: much. We're out. Bye, everyone. Thank you.
1: The the Tucker Carlson and Putin thing, I mean, uh, just to give you a quick brief, Liz, I mean, he didn't challenge him on anything apart from one thing, um, which we brought up, which I brought up uh, last week, which was, he keep Putin kept saying he's a Christian. So why is it okay to kill people? And it it did flummox Putin because he he went. He, I don't know if you know, but he's gone through this big religious change. He's very much like Mussolini, like yeah. hated religion and now is like yes, religion is the greatest thing ever.
0: Now he loves the Pope. I hear. Yeah, they're they're very close, aren't they? Mm. Shock,
1: the Pope liking dictators. Not not, not like that's <laughs> happened before. <laughs> <laughs> um. He went actually through a bathing ceremony, he had to go in an ice bath and come out the other end and he was stripped out of almost now and bishops were there from the Russian Orthodox Church sorting him out and it was all this big hoo-ha and of course what do you say to people? So Putin came back with this sort of thing of like self-defense was an acceptable thing it's like well I don't think Jesus was going around killing the Romans. <laughs> like...